Help, I got a Mac, podcast episode number five. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Help, I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm Chris Biting. And we are glad to be back again, although I almost forgot what episode number was, even though I looked it up just before I said, Help, I Got a Mac, episode number five. That's okay. All right. I'll keep track for both of us. Thank you very much. So uh, this week we had talked about the fact that you were going to be in studio, but something came up. And uh, we have you on the wonderful golden pipes known as Skype. I love Skype. Skype is a wonderful thing. I'd like to think that all the fees I've paid for eBay has has helped pay for my my usage of Skype. There you go. (laughs) So tonight we had promised... Um, you know, something unique, uh, unique, as if we have anything that's not unique so far, being that we're only in our fifth episode. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to try to uh, answer a couple user questions, and that's something we enjoy trying to do. We don't have the answers to everything, so uh, if there are some of you out there in the live TalkShoe audience, as we record this live every Sunday evening at 9.30 p.m. on TalkShoe.com, uh, feel free to hit the request to talk button and uh, share your knowledge with the world because this is not just about us. It's about a community thing, us all helping each other with our Macs. And speaking uh-huh. of community, if uh, if we don't answer it here, always check the forums because there's a lot of people who are smarter than both of us that are on there. Yes, there is. In fact, you can go to gspn.tv forward slash forum. So uh, let's go ahead and get this thing underway um i'll tell you what chris why don't you just give us a brief uh one or two sentence understanding of what this show is devoted to well there's a lot of first i'll say there's a lot of mac podcasts out and most of them are about general mac news what's going on in in the mac community and things like that because uh, out of most computer users you know the mac community is pretty um dedicated do all things Mac. You know, you don't see like DellRumors.com or anything like that. But uh, this show is a little different in the, by the fact that, that we're here for the brand new Mac user, uh, someone who is it's either their first computer or they switched from a Windows machine. We're here to kind of give people guidance and tips and, and things like that to, to those people. But also, we are here for people who have been using Macs for a long time. Maybe there's something that, that we talk about that you're like, oh, you know what, I've never used that before. We're here for you too. Absolutely. So that's the show. Very cool. Hey, you know, we got a phone call that came in this week, and I want to go ahead and start us off in our listener feedback slash question segment. And uh, our first call or uh, comment, question, what have you, came in all the way from the United Kingdom. And so let's go ahead and see what Karen had to ask. Hi, Cliff. This is Karen Wilson from England. Um, I'm calling at your suggestion to leave a message about the Help I've Got a Mac um, podcast. Um, What my problem is, um, is what do I do or what would anyone do if the coloured wheel, or maybe in the US you call it the coloured balloon that spins, what do you do if that keeps spinning and you can't eject a DVD or a CD and your computer seems to not be responding? Um, how do you force quit the program or shut it down without um, either damaging the, the CD or the DVD or ruining the Mac? Um, do you turn it off at the, the, on, the start button? Is that how you force quit or, uh, you know, pressing escape usually on a Windows machine will take it back or after a bit of time it will um, uh, remedy the situation. But um, with a Mac it's not really clear how you do that. So I'd really appreciate your help. Um, And I'm really enjoying listening to the Help I've Got a Mac podcast because I'm finding it really useful. Um, I only switched over to a, an iMac in December last year, so I'm still learning um, different things and I would never go back to a Windows machine ever full-time. Um, I love my Mac and I love Mac so much that I'm hoping to get an iBook for Christmas. So 
keep up with podcasts, really love it. And I also like the Facebook 101, and I'd like to hear um, some more of those as well. So um, thanks very much for the podcast. Good luck with your new um, full-time media podcasting career, and um, I'll keep listening. Thanks very much. Bye, Cliff. God bless. Karen, thank you so much for calling in. That is very awesome. Uh, we're going to get to your question in just a moment. I just want to mention to anybody out there, if you would like to call in your question, it is the preferred method of getting uh, questions and, and getting them played here on our show. And you can do that simply by calling our listener line at area code 859-795-4067. Again, anytime, night or day, doesn't matter. It goes straight to voicemail, doesn't ring here at the house or anything like that. Just call area code 859-795-4067 and we'll try to get to your questions that you leave via audio in our show. Now, she has a question regarding the, I guess, what I've heard now called the beach ball of death. Yeah, there's there's a couple of names. Beach ball of death is my favorite one. Uh, Marble of Doom is another one. Actually, if you go to marbleofdoom.com, uh, there's a site that pretty much logs how much time has been wasted with people watching that spinning beach ball on their Macs. Is and that it's, right? It's, it's, it's the most hated icon on the planet, and ironically, it's our icon for the show. So, um, and, and it fits because the, the, the title of the show is Help, I've Got a Mac. And of course, whenever you see that beach ball, it usually means you need some help, which is what Karen is asking for today. So right. she's got a she's got a disc, a CD, DVD, something like that. It's shoved into the drive, and she gets this big, huge beach ball of death, or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. the the spinning orb. And uh, basically, she's having an issue. What can she do to force quit this thing, and and get that disc to eject? What are some of the remedies there? I think the the first thing we need to do is is actually talk about what it is when you see that icon. Okay, um, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, what happens is each application has an event queue, uh, which, which this is going to be a little inside baseball here, which receives events from the operating system, you know, key presses, mouse clicks, stuff like that. Um, and if the application is expecting that and it takes too long for that, you'll, you'll start getting that spinning weight cursors is the technical name for it. Um, and, and a couple, you know, different things can cause it either, you know, programs stop responding or, or the system's just, you know, going out to a lot of RAM or accessing the hard drive a lot, it basically means that the program is halting for a particular reason. And it can be a temporary thing or it can be, you know, you might as well restart your system. Okay. Now, there's a couple things you can do to, to check that and, and to stop it if you've got an, an un, you know, unresponsive program. The first thing you can do is, is do a force quit. And um, you could, there's a couple ways you can get to the force quit. Uh, the way I normally do it, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big keyboard guy, so I normally click on my desktop. And if I can, if I can move the dock, if I can see the dock and click on that, and it moves around, and I can get to Finder, you just click, click on the Apple symbol, and you go to Force Quit. Okay. And uh, another thing you could do is the, also the Activity Monitor, and that's in your Utilities folder and your Applications folder, and you can see all the different threads and things like that uh, that's taking up system memory, and you can kill that particular thread and and thread means you know a process a set of instructions that are going through the the the, the processor right so and that's one of the things now 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 if she's burning a dvd or a cd she's gonna she's gonna lose that disc and uh thanks to evan option apple escape is uh the way to get the force quit and um like i said if she's burning a disc or burning a cd she's obviously obviously going to lose that disc or cd now the there's really no good way she can eject a disk if the system's halted like that. She'll have to, to, to do a restart. And if the system's not responding, you just have to hold down the power button until it shuts down. Right. And then but what she can do is during boot up, when it comes back on, if she holds down the, the mouse button, either on her mouse or on the trackpad on, on a laptop, the disk will pop out during boot. Oh, really? Yeah. How exciting is that? <laughs> That's Gee, awesome. this show is useful. I know. Isn't I it like great? this. So, and one of the and the way that I always hit uh, do force quit because unfortunately I've I've had to do it quite a bit recently. I don't know why, but uh, 
Anyway, uh, what I always go down to the dock and look for the item that's uh, giving me the problem, mm-hmm. and then I do a right click on the icon, and then the force quit is available there. So there are all, multiple ways that you can get to force quit, quit, but if it doesn't work, then you may have to do a manual re- restart of your computer. Which again, if it's not responding immediately to the to the shutdown, then you just hold the power button down, and hopefully that'll do it. So, and if that does happen, uh, a a quick thing you can do is uh, go in your applications folder and then go into your t- your your utilities folder and go to disk utility. Okay, so let's do this real quick. Sure. I, I'm pulling it up here right now and I go into applications and then I go to what? Utilities. Okay, so I'm going to go to utilities. So I'm going down. I don't see utilities. It's a folder. Oh, okay. So there's a folder called Utilities. I've got it down at the very bottom. And mm-hmm. then you go to Disk Utilities or uh, disk, disk Utility. Yes. Singular. And so I've double-clicked on Disk Utility. All right. And now what? Click on your hard drive. So Macintosh HD. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you'll notice on the right-hand side it says First Aid, Erase, Restore, a bunch of stuff. Yes. Make sure First Aid is clicked. Yes. And you want to repair your disk permissions. Now, can I do that while I'm on my MacBook talking to somebody via on, via Skype? I probably wouldn't recommend it. Okay, then I probably won't hit that right now then. And and what that does is it's good to run that, you know, once a week or so just to kind of make sure that all your application permissions are set correct and stuff because that'll help uh, applications from suddenly quitting and things like that. So it's just one of those nice little things you can do. It doesn't take very long. And it keeps your your Mac running great. Well, what's funny is because, and, and this is one of the weird things for me, um, I knew about this repair disk permissions from uh, when I first got my Mac. And I was I had done it two or three different times just to keep up on it. And I had forgotten all about it. Today, I was starting to experience some slowness issues and, and some, some uh, applications that typically run perfectly all of a sudden are giving me that beach ball thing. And, and I've heard a lot of people say that if you just do repair disk permissions, typically that's going to fix it. And, you know, for the life of me, I could not find repair disk permissions. So I'm sitting here going into the little light switch panel in my, uh, uh, what do you call that, the, the dock? And, mm-hmm. and that's my system preferences. And, and one of my minor frustrations early on and even today is that there doesn't seem to be one unified place for going for looking under the hood of your thing. I, I was desperately searching all over the place and under system preferences for this disk utility. Yep. And so now I have been reminded, thanks to you. Not a uh, problem. I go to applications, then I go to a utilities folder, and then I can find this disk utility, it, which right now I am actually dragging to my dock. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so anyway, just th- th- there are some little minor frustrations like that. I mean, it, it, it just seems like a, something that is so useful that should be done almost weekly to kind of keep things fresh and new that it wouldn't be buried so deeply. Don't you agree? Well, yeah. Um, you can you can download little programs that, that kind of run that kind of stuff, like uh, I think it's iJanitor is the name of one. Um, but yeah, it, I think the... The the thing is, is that utility does a whole lot more than just that. You know, you can you can repartition disks, you can format disks, you can copy disk images, you can create disk images. So, uh, people are just going to only use that one little part. I I don't think it's a big deal to, to keep it out, but it's it just does so much more that you you can screw up your system if you start mucking around with that. Yeah, just don't play around with all of it. Just hit that repair disk permissions probably about at least once every three or four weeks. Or uh, like John just said, why not use Spotlight to find disk utility? And I always forget about Spotlight. Well, see, the, the thing is, and, and I was using Spotlight, and I was looking, and I did a search for disk repair or whatever it's called. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't remember where it was. Was it? <laughs> so now I know a disk utility. Thank you very much. But uh, for me, I just oh wait, and somebody said Shift Command U is the shortcut. So I'll try to remember that as well. All right, next up, uh, you want to read the email that came in uh, from Greg B? Oh, you're going to make me read. Okay. I have like <laughs> a third grade reading level, everybody. Uh, hi, Cliff. A couple, couple quick things. First, I want to thank you for help. I got a Mac podcast. That's awesome. 
I'm a recent switcher, and the info has been very helpful and presented in an entertaining way. Keep up the good work. Uh, also was wondering if you could discuss Mac security in a future show, like this one. I'm a little confused as to what I need as far as firewalls, spyware blockers, etc. Or do I currently not need anything except for the smarts not to download anything from unfamiliar sources? I've also been reading that the firewall installed on Leopard is a piece of junk. Your thoughts? Looking forward to the next show. Greg B. What do you think, Craig, or, uh, Chris? Do you think Greg has to worry about uh, Trojan horses, viruses, and stuff like that? Does he need to get a special uh, spyware package for his Mac? Funny you said Trojan horse. Um, well, there's, <laughs> I did that on purpose, by the way. I know. Uh, as far as actual real viruses or threats or anything like that, at this point, there's not a whole lot out there. Uh, there is a Trojan horse out in the wild, and um, I haven't hit it yet. Apparently, you've got to go to some adult sites to get to it. So you've got to be doing something not really in the mainstream to, to even see it anyway at this point. Um, well, I just want to warn people, I, it, it, and, and it's it's a real it's a real problem among some men that that are really having some struggles. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it it may not be as far out there as what you might think, as far as what's in the mainstream. There there are a lot of men out there that struggle with adult sites and and uh, spending late nights, and and it, and it is a very real concern. So, well, you so, know, even teenagers and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, but what happens is, is it says in order to view a video or, or content or whatever, you need to download uh, this video codec, which stands for you know, encode, decode, things like that. It, it, it's a file you need to play a video. Well, my tip is, is only download things from trusted sites like Version Tracker and and uh, you know, so, uh, not, source. That's forms. that's Version Tracker, not not, not Version Tracker. Right, Version. <laughs> Since we're tra- talking about adult sites here, okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, as far as as far as viruses and, and worms and things like that, they're they're not really existent on the Mac at this time. Now with the, the the market share increasing and things like that, I'm sure we're going to eventually see that kind of stuff. But as of right now, I, I don't think it's really a, a necessity to buy virus software at this point. Um, even if if you do want to get some, you can get Clam AV or Clamav is what it's called, and it's free. Just do a Google search for it. So, but the, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I would just say that um, one, <coughs> excuse me, one of the most important things I think uh, routers are very inexpensive, and some. I mean, if you're using a wireless network in your house, um, one of the things that that you have automatically built into it to your wireless router is the fact that you have a router, which is a firewall. And um, if you are using a direct connection via cable modem or DSL modem. And that thing's coming straight out of the wall, and then you have an Ethernet cable or a USB cable going straight to your computer. I want to tell you that I don't care what system you're on, that's not a very healthy way to to do your internet. Go out and get yourself a fifty dollar router, plug that in 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 between your uh, DSL modem or your cable modem, plug the router into that, and then plug plug your computer into the router. That gives you uh, an added layer of hardware security, I think, that is important uh, no matter where you're at. Right. And, and what's funny is um, there is a firewall difference on Leopard from, from Tiger. Um, I went to grc.com. Uh, they've got a great thing called Shields Up, which tests you know, all your ports and how your computer is responding and things like that. And on Tiger, uh, when you turn the firewall on and set it to stealth mode, and what stealth mode does, uh, let me explain it real quick, is... The computer won't even respond if it's getting, you know, if, if if something from the outside world's trying to come in, the computer will act like it's not even there. And on Leopard, I turned that on and went to GRC and, and did the test. And on Tiger, on, on 10.4, the old version of the software, it passed with flying colors. And on Leopard, it failed one test. And it was, believe it or not, um, it, it was a ping test, and a ping is is a pretty old school uh, networking technology where uh, a computer or a device will send out uh, a signal saying, "Hey, is anybody here at this address?" And the 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 device on the other end goes, "Hey, I'm here, I'm here," and it pings back. And believe it or not, my Mac pinged back. So the firewall, I would say, isn't as good as the one on 10.4, but it's still pretty good. I mean, it that coupled with, like you said, a, a router, um, 
with Jax as a great hardware firewall, I think it'll be okay. I really do. Yeah. The, the, the truth of the matter is, is that as Apple's market share, like you said, does increase, more and more people will have these Macs. There will be a much greater target, a, a, a more sizable target that can be hit. For right now, for a hacker to be out there in the digital world and to write something that takes some kind of advantage as a, 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 in a flaw that's found in Macintosh. It's like finding a MacBook on the net with all the millions of computers out there with the market share that, that Apple has right now. It's like finding a needle in the haystack. And so they don't typically write uh, viruses for that. But what what they're, what the people are saying is that as time goes on and that the more the higher the percentages of people out there with Macs, which it is increasing, uh, it, this could be a problem down the road, but at this pop point in time, I don't think it's really a problem. Now, with with that Trojan horse that that people had to download the codec, it did ask them to uh, enter their password. Isn't that correct? Yeah, and that's the thing. Anything that you download as far as a piece of software, uh, an application that you get off of of the internet, um, you have to put in your your administrator password to install the program and if you if you are ever asked for your password you better make sure that that is from a site that you personally feel is trustworthy that you that it is it is not going to do damage uh, and if you ever have a, a, a video software that says hey to play this video we need to install this codec or or this other product to make this work then find out what product it is and go search the actual manufacturer site and see if that codec's available there. And if it's not, maybe it's not all that important. And one of the nice things about 10.5 or Leopard, the, the brand new operating system, is that even if you installed the program, the first time that you launched it, it says, are you sure you want to launch this application that you downloaded from? And it gives you the website, gives you the time and the date of, of when the, the application was downloaded. So it gives you another layer of, of security to say, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Gotcha. So that just really, it, it's when it comes down to it, it, it's smart, responsible computing. Yes. It, and of course, if it were for all smart, responsible computing, we really wouldn't have that much problem on the Windows exactly. platform either. Exactly. So I therefore, that, you know, I, I, Greg, just to answer your question, right now, really not a whole lot you need to worry about. Keep your ears open, though. In the future, maybe something comes along that, that all of a sudden it might be necessary. But get yourself a router. Get yourself behind a router. And uh, don't be downloading anything that, that you're not trusted that, from a site that you don't trust. Yep. All right. So next up, we have another question. It says, hi, Cliff. And uh, just so you guys know, you feel free to say hi, Chris, Cliff and Chris. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris is a permanent fixture in this show because, to be honest with you, I know nothing about the Mac. And uh, I, I'm here. The whole purpose of doing this show is so that I can learn. And uh, as a side benefit, you guys get to learn. And uh, I'm thankful for your questions. But just just make sure we include Chris because I don't want him to feel all left out. All right. So anyway, uh, I'm having – let's see. I am a longtime listener to your Lost podcast. I've recently been contemplating buying a Mac. Congratulations. Uh, we use a we use Macs at my office, and I have really fallen in love with them over the last year. I would like to get rid of my notebook and replace it with an iBook, or actually it would be a MacBook. Uh, let's see here. I have no idea what I'm doing though, and I'm really scared as it is a big financial commitment. So I guess what I'm asking is if you can help me regarding a new Mac laptop. I don't need anything special, just something I can use for the internet, travel on planes, uh, download podcasts, photos, etc. I won't be podcasting or anything of that nature. Uh, when I do, when let's see here, where do I start? Should I purchase from the Apple Store or website? Do other stores have better deals? What type of what type do you recommend? Uh, what is the fair price? Uh, would they run higher now because of Leopard? Because Leopard is out. What is the difference between MacBook and MacBook Pro? Any advice you would have is greatly appreciated. Sorry for all the questions, but my head is a spinning. Thanks, Julie. P.S. Do you know if Dell ha buys back computers? 
other companies besides eBay and Craigslist and all those types. Wow, Julie, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> it is a lot of questions, but we are glad for questions because it oh, gives you know us what? content. I, exactly. I love questions. And you know what? Let's let's start at the beginning. Um, I'm just going to say right now that pretty much all the prices for Apple computers are going to be the same across the board. Uh, much like a lot, of, uh, a lot of boutique type items, the manufacturer controls the price. Uh, so, you know, what you see on the website and, and what you see in the store is pretty much going to be the same. You're going to see some companies like Mac Mall or CDW maybe throw in, you know, cheapo free RAM or, uh, you know, a free copy of Office or something like that just to get you to buy from them. But right. really, you know, the, the price on the computer and, and stuff, it, you know, itself is going to be the same at the Apple Store or Apple.com or, or any of those other places. I would like to suggest that if you are going to buy a Mac and you have an Apple Store that's within an hour's driving distance, my personal preference is go to the store and buy one. Call them up ahead of time. Let them know that you're coming. Set up a, what do they call that, personal shopper? Yeah, do that because they will spend an hour with you going over every little detail. You you, you don't want, because if, if you've ever been in an Apple store, it's like the most popular store in the mall by far. And you walk in and it's loud and there's you know music, you hear, you hear all that stuff. There's all these kids running around, there's just people buying all sorts of crazy stuff. And you're going to get turned off by it and leave. If you've got someone that's actually waiting at the door for you, it's going to make it a much, even, you don't have to purchase. Even if it's just to find out about these things and what makes them different than a Windows machine, go do it. Cliff, you did it, and you said it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, and, and if you go back to episode number four, I think it was episode number four where you and I talked about the difference between uh, the different things that they try to sh upsell you to. Was that episode number four or episode? I think it was like episode number two. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I knew I should take better show notes. <laughs> uh, and they'll really be able to determine uh, what type you should get. Really, um, if you're going to be doing basic stuff, I would say um, if you want to get a laptop, I would say a MacBook. You know, the, the base model MacBook is a great choice. It's, uh, I think both Cliff and I have MacBooks. I love it. And, you know, for, for this podcast, I use my MacBook Pro, but. 99% of the time, I'm using my MacBook because it's just a perfect size. Yeah. In fact, I would say go with the least expensive MacBook with two gigs of RAM. That that yeah. would it, it doesn't matter if you get the combo drive or the regular super duper drive or whatever, unless you're going to be burning DVDs quite frequently. Uh, but really, go. I would suggest uh, for all the things that you mentioned, uh, simply getting the least expensive MacBook with a minimum of two gigs of RAM. I think yeah. you're going to be fine. And here's the thing. If, if at some point down the line you want a bigger hard drive, you know, you want more storage, you can either get external storage or the, the MacBook, believe it or not, is ridiculously easy to put a bigger hard drive in there. Is and it we really? can talk. Oh, yeah. It's uh, three screws and you're done. And, and that's something we can talk about later. But, yeah, if you can spend the money, get RAM. I don't really recommend getting RAM at the Apple Store because they charge a disgustingly high amount of money for it. Now, that's not true if you get it at the time of purchase. I, I still think it's pretty pretty high. You're, you're better off, honestly, uh, doing a build-to-order on, on Apple's website if you're going to get more RAM. Hmm. And the reason is, is because it comes with a gig. They have to pull out those gig, you know, no. those 512 chips and put in one gig, unless you can buy that now. You, yes, that's what I'm saying. They're, they've, they've actually got some boxed and pre-configured the <coughs> excuse me the entry level macbook does come pre-boxed with 2 gig of ram at a ridiculously lower price of ram versus buying the 1 gig and getting upgrading to the gigs to, to See, the 2 I, gigs every time i bought a mac i've been an employee so i can, you know <laughs> yeah so there you go they they said it was the most popular upgrade in the apple store and therefore, they, they have them pre-configured that way. In fact, if you go there, they even have them up on the pricing sheet. It says, here, here it is with this one gig. Here it is, the option. Here's the price with the two gig. So, and, and really, uh, she's coming in at a great time because they just did upgrade the MacBooks. They got a faster video, and they have faster processors in them now, too. And they cost the same amount as they did before, even with Leopard, so that you know they're not raising the price up because of a new operating system or anything. And she's asking about the difference between the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. 
Um, and it's it's really it's it's in the title. Um, the MacBook Pro is more geared towards a pro- a professional user. Um, you know, for video editing and audio editing and and things like that, I do everything with my MacBook Pro. Uh, for websites, you know, cranking out uh, a, a text document here or there, you know, putting pictures from my digital camera onto my onto my Mac. You know, I use my MacBook. So if you're going to be doing that kind of stuff, get the MacBook. If you're going to be doing, you know high-end video editing or audio editing, get the MacBook Pro. And I will tell you that I do quite a bit of audio editing and, <coughs> excuse me, and I've been playing around a lot with video editing and both of them work perfectly fine on my MacBook with two gigs of RAM. Yep. So it, it, I, I think that the, uh, the Pro is for somebody who maybe is, is, is doing very high-end stuff that is very tasking and very demanding. But from really from Julie's email, what I'm reading there screams minimum MacBook, two gigs of RAM. Exactly. It, it, yeah. It's going to be far more than what you really need. Uh, but I, I'm, I would always opt for two gigs of RAM. It, there's just something within me that says you really can't go overboard and over splurge on, on RAM. No, and I'll tell you from experience, Leopard loves two gigs of RAM. It runs awesome. On my machine, so she's gonna she's gonna have a great time, great experience with with that machine if she gets two gigs of RAM. All right, let's turn gears for just a moment and talk about our next topic of the show. Oh, and real quick. Oh, crud. <laughs> no, you're you, fine. You're no, fine. You totally messed up. No, oh, I'm, just I'm sorry. No, no what, what is it? Dell, Dell doesn't buy back computers, <laughs> but they'll be glad to take yours to recycle. So I would recommend an eBay or Craigslist if you're if you want to avoid uh, the listing fees and things like that. Uh, I saw a lot of stuff on Craigslist because I don't want to pay uh, eBay any money to put stuff up. Very so, cool. And I'm hit the so- button. Hit, do what you want to do. All right, here we go. All right, now for- see what happens when we try to be fancy. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, um, I'm glad I don't do editing though. You'll they'll just <laughs> forgive me. Um, anyway, we're gonna talk tonight about uh, new user software must-haves. Now, we're going to ask people, actually, a lot of people are, are have hung up and started listening just to the audio stream. But anyway, uh, what we're going to talk about is once you are a brand new Mac user, you've been a PC user all your life, and now you've, you've booted up, you've done all your registration, you've typed in your name, and everything's, this got this shiny new happy machine, but you have no idea how to use this uh, operating system. And the first thing you want is something familiar, something that you, you you can say, okay, even though I don't know how the OS is working, I at least recognize this functionality. And so these are the kind of programs that we're going to talk about. And uh, I am going to let you start with your first pick uh, of the software must-have for the new Mac user. My favorite piece of Apple software. By far, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but it's Adium. Adium is exactly how I... uh... Rhymes with Stadium. Um, It supports, you know, all chat protocols like, you know, uh, Jabber and AOL and Yahoo. It is a wonderfully awesome piece of software. And on on the Windows side, uh, the, the closest equivalent is Trillion. And I'll tell you what, I used to use Trillium when I was a PC user, and I hated it. I did I, too. I, I would rather be punched in the face than use it. And the, and the worst part was, is to get the really, really good version, the pro version, you had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Adium, or Adium, however you want to pronounce it, it's, it's, it's got a duck as its icon. It's awesome. It's the best price ever. It's free. It's $0. And it's A-D-I-U-M. And it does support all your main chat program protocols out there. So if you have a MSN account and a Yahoo account and a AOL account and a Gmail account, it is so beautiful to be able to put all of those in one. And uh, it do- it just works. It just works all the time. And they uh, the the only thing about about it that um, that I still use I still use iChat. iChat is is Apple's version of of uh, a chat client. It's compatible with the AOL uh, instant messaging network. Uh, what's nice about it is they do have video chat through iChat, but Adium is going to have their own video soon. But right now they, they do support a, uh, a Flash-based plugin, 
and it's pretty interesting. It actually works with it's it's platform agnostic. It works with anything because it's flash based. And the best part is, is let's say I initiated a video chat with you, Cliff, uh-huh. and you, you don't have a camera, you don't have anything. It gives you a link, and you can click on the link and, and watch the video via the you know via a website through Flash. Oh, that is cool. And it's it it's they're, they're considering it. Uh, basically, it's a band aid until their audio and video come out, and it's in the brand new version of of Adium. And uh, I haven't had a chance to really play with it yet, but it sounds really really cool. It is it is very cool. And of course, another thing I think that goes right along with Adium is to go immediately, don't pass go, don't collect $200, go straight to Skype and download the Mac version of Skype. You know what? I didn't have that on there. That's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, and, and of course, if you've, been, if you've ever used Skype, it's going to be almost 100% identical on the Mac. And uh, definitely a must-have, I think, on on any Mac users list. Exactly. All right. So, and let, how much how much does that cost? It is absolutely free. <laughs> now it does cost money. Uh, we'll let people know if you want to have like a phone number for people to call into you, or if you want to call a uh, a landline for Skype because you can use it as a phone, kind of. Right. Um, my my next choice. I'm going to kind of skip around here a little bit because I didn't really put these in order. Um, is Firefox. Yes, that would have actually, if, if, if I were to order the list in priority, uh, I would have certainly put um, Firefox number one because what's really nice is I was very much a solid Firefox user on the PC. I mean, it, it's the only browser I would ever use. And what's amazing is Firefox is identical on the Mac. In fact, all the plugins so far seem to work in the same way, same fashion. Very, very nice. And what's nice is is if 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 you do like web browsers, most of them work on both, you know, both clients. So if, if you like Opera, there's a Mac version. If you like Flock, there's a Mac version. And a lot of Mac users who who've been Mac users for quite quite a while don't even use Firefox. They use something called Camino. Which is built off the same platform that Firefox is built on, only it's it's tweaked out specifically for the Mac, and it's super fast, and uh, it's it's a really nice program. I, I haven't used it in a while. I I actually switched back to Safari now that I have 10.5. Uh, it seems to be a little bit faster for me. But Camino is another really good web browser you want to check if you if you like Firefox. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, I've never not used Firefox. I I have. I'm looking at eight tabs in front of me now and, and just just loving it. My favorite tool is you can get all the plugins. You can get Adblock Plus. You can get, um, of course, your, your download um, uh, synchronization tools and all those things. Just Firefox is a, is a wonderful thing. I personally was turned off by the way that um, the little um, status bar kind of goes across the URL bar in the safari that just i don't know what that why that was so aesthetically um a turnoff but it, it just definitely just it, it made me feel as though pages were loading slower i'll see i liked it <laughs> but you know it, it it's all personal taste it is next up i would say um for for anybody that is out there uploading and downloading files from a server online uh also known as ftp uh, file trans using file transfer transfer protocol. Uh, to say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the on the PC side, you know, I've always used FileZilla, Qt FTP, IFTP. Uh, there are a lot of different freeware uh, software programs, and they were all organized in the same way on the PC. Basically, very much folder structured. On the you had your left hand, you had the the folder tree. On the right-hand side, you had the folder tree, and <laughs> very intuitive, very easy to understand that on the left side is your hard drive, on the right side is the web. You can click on a file, right-click it, and upload or hit transfer, and it'll either transfer it up if you've clicked on that on the left, or if you're on the right-hand side and click transfer, it'll transfer it down to the left. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was very, very intuitive. Now, when I came to the Mac, I had to learn something new. And uh, I found that uh, there's a very nice program called CyberDuck. And, <laughs> and it's, it's very much named CyberDuck. 
and it has a completely different layout. There's no left pane, right pane. It's like when you sign in, you get what's on the server, and you it's all drag and drop. And when you drag, it's it's going to be hard for me to describe this to you via audio, but when you drag, you can either drag on top of a folder, which it'll highlight that folder, or if you're anywhere outside of a folder, it'll like highlight the entire box, which means that if you put it there, it's going to put it inside the big box. You have to play with it yourself. It 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 was it was frustrating to me at first. I mean, uh, something so simple was frustrating to me because it was just different, different yeah. than what I was used to. But yeah, now, now that I use it, I use it all the time. No big deal. I completely understand how it works. Just took probably about three or four solid usage times to to really get the hang of it. CyberDuck is a good program, and it, it's and it's free. Now, my favorite FTP program. I didn't put this on here. I had it on here initially. Uh, my favorite uh, is from Panic Software. They make wonderful applications, and uh, Panic.com, and they have an FTP program called Transmit, and it does cost money. You you can get a trial. Uh, it works for like ten minutes at a time, which for most people is going to be okay. You know, to transfer some files. It's uh, I think it's twenty nine dollars if you wanted to buy it, but it offers a lot of great features, and it's just what you were talking about. You got your you know all your local stuff on on the left hand side and all the server stuff on the right hand side and as they they call it your stuff and their stuff and it's drag and drop it's it supports tabs it does dot max syncing it's really really nice piece of software um and it's twenty nine dollars it's it's from panic and it's called transmit it's awesome so if you're out, if you're FTPing all the time and you need some of the extra functionality perhaps that that'll work for you. I personally like free, and so I stick with CyberDuck. Um, the next piece of software I want to talk about, and uh, again, I, I know I'm saying each one is my favorite, but this is this is by far my favorite, is Handbrake. Okay. What Handbrake does allows you to use your DVDs the way you should be allowed to use them. And, and you pop in a DVD, and I'm talking like you know, DVDs you bought from the store that have movies on them. And what it does is it takes that movie... And it turns it into a file that you can put on your iPod or your iPhone or your iPod Touch or your Apple TV. And uh, it, just, it just allows you to save those files so you can watch them later or, or put them on whatever you want to. And the price of it is free. Wow. That, that's awesome because it really, in, in, in my house, um, you know, when we get, of course, I don't buy any kind of CDs or DVDs anymore. You know, I have a I have an eight year old, a six year old, and a two year old, and those things will be scratched in minutes. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it, it soon now my kids will still get a CD from time to time. As soon as they bring it in the house, as soon as it comes out of, out of the cellophane, it immediately gets put into my computer and ripped down to MP3s, so that I can make sure that when that disc is scratched within 24 hours that I'm able to just put that on on the kids iPods and they're ready to go. And and yeah, and, and what's what's great about this software too is that if you just want to have a copy of the movie and, and if you want to watch it on your TV, you can rip it off in Handbrake. You can put it in the iMovie and put it right back on the DVD. So you can make a nice backup copy or, or use, you know, a copy that you use every day onto a DVD using Handbrake. Awesome. It's just a really, really great piece of software. I'm, I, I would recommend just Googling Handbrake. It's all one word because their website's kind of kind of weird as far as uh, the URL. So, yeah, just get Handbrake. It's awesome. And uh, How long does it take? It depends. Um, it depends on, you know, how... Well, th there's a couple presets when you open Handbrake and it scans a movie on, the, on what kind of encoding you want to do. Is it going to be for an iPhone? Is it going to be for a little iPod? It's going to be for your TV, so on and so forth. And it, it does take a little bit of time. It's one of those things that I would probably start ripping a movie and, and go fix a sandwich and eat, you know? You're right. it's, it's, it's not like it's going to take five minutes. It's probably going to take a half hour to 45 minutes if you want to get a good rip on a, on a movie. All righty. Tell us about Flip for Mac. Okay. Well, um, there used to be a Windows Media Player for Mac, and uh, Microsoft has decided to stop 
to they, they just said stop development of it because this company came along called Flip for Mac. And what they did is they, they took Windows Media Player, they took the ability to play Windows Media, and they put it in QuickTime. And QuickTime is Apple's you know, video player. So what it does is it adds Windows Media Player components in QuickTime. So you don't really need a separate program. Everything plays in QuickTime now. And that's you know, QuickTime Movies, MPEG-4, Windows Media Format. And uh, it's just a really nice piece of software. The player is free, and you just do a search for Flip 4 Mac, the number 4. Um, and they do offer a component that you can pay for if you want to encode in the Windows Media Format. Which, why would you want to do that? I have no idea. All right. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is I've had my Mac. Gosh, I don't even know how long I've had my Mac now, uh, but I've had it. I've had it a long time, and I have not once come across. I have never installed Flip for Mac. Not once have I come across Windows Media Player and needing to play a file on the net. Not not a single time. <laughs> so most everything's moved to Flash these days, and a, a, a very large percentage of things are in QuickTime. Uh, I guess I'm just not going to all these different radio stations that are still using real player and uh, Windows Media format. Yeah, and that's that, that you brought up a good point. That's that's a perfect reason to get Flip for Mac. If you want to listen to a lot of terrestrial radio stations, websites use Windows Media Audio for uh, you know for their live streams, and Flip for Mac will allow you to do that. If you have XM satellite radio. Uh, you use Flip for Mac to listen to listen to that. I I, I have XM and I, and that's what I use. Very cool. Um, and I've got another piece of software to talk about. It's not on here. I'm kind of uh, freestyling a little bit. It's called Visual Hub. Okay. And uh, Visual Hub is from Tech Expansion Software. I bought this program not too long ago. Actually, I should take that back. My my work bought it for me. Um, it's twenty three dollars and thirty two cents. I know it's weird. What it does though is it converts any video that you throw at it to any format that you want. And this is really good if you download videos off the internet. I'm not going to say how or what you're downloading. But if you have a file and you want to play it in another format, you throw it in this uh, Visual Hub program, it'll clean it up for you, it'll, it'll, it'll make it look awesome, and you can, you can save it as a Flash, you can save it as Windows Media, you can save it as MPEG-4, you can save it, save it as DV, you can save it as MPEG-1. It's just, it's like the Swiss Army knife of video conversion software. And it's really, really cheap. It's, it's $23.32. I totally need that program for some of the video projects that I'm hoping to work on. Just do a Google search for Visual Hub. It's, it's, the, the, the program has been wor- worth its weight in gold. Very cool. Well, I'll tell you what, um, there are probably many more software programs uh, that you can think of out there in the community. We should go to the forum. Yes. Take it to the forum. Take it to the forum, and uh, we'll we'll monitor that, and we'll bring forth, uh, I think probably uh, at least, we. I think in the future we should review at least one or two new software programs uh, and, and kind of just revisit this idea of how useful you can make your Mac using third-party software. And actually, I just want to let you know, I did get, I, I've gotten a copy. The, the fine folks at Pixelmator has sent me a copy of the program. Uh, Pixelmator is a, uh, a, an image manipulation tool, kind of like Photoshop. Okay. Uh, they were kind enough to send me a copy, and uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it seems pretty cool. Uh, next week, I'm going to have a, a better review, and I've got a friend of mine who does Photoshop for a living, and he's going to take a look at it and let me know what it looks like. So that's... Just letting you know that I'm playing with it. It's really, really cool. Uh, it's $59. So far, it seems like uh, it's a nice nice piece of software. Very cool. I'm very interested in that because it's the one tool that I, st- <coughs> excuse me, that I still go into uh, Parallels for and uh, is, is using iLed, let's see, iPhoto from ULED software. Um, it was a free version that I got from a, a scanner that I bought probably about 14 years ago. And uh, I still use it today because it just does what I need it to do and, and have not found such a program on the Mac yet. And so if uh, what you got works and it's 59 bucks, I may be willing to spare the change. Hey, Cliff, the chat room's uh, kind of saying that we forgot Twitterific, which uh, coming from you is uh, amazing. How could we have forgotten? Matter of fact, do you know the first software I installed was Firefox? 
That's because I needed a decent browser to go and get Twitterific. Twitterific, if you are not familiar with Twitter, go to twitter.com slash gspn or twitter.com slash biting, B-E-I-T-I-N-G, and you'll find Chris and I and all the things that we're up to at any given moment in the day. Now, um, one, those of us who have a Mac have this awesome program called Twitterific that uh, is simply amazing. I, I don't know how anybody ever lives without Twitterific. It's addicting. I'm addicted to it. It is. It is very cool. It, it is basically. It's kind of like a blog, but uh, instant messaging, time delayed. All rolled into one, and and to be honest with you, it once you get a bunch of friends on Twitter, you really do start to develop even closer relationships with them because you kind of get a feeling about who these people are, what they really do throughout the day, and, and it, it's really a neat tool. So go to twitter.com slash gspn, twitter.com slash biting, B-E-I-T-I-N-G, and uh, check us out there. And, yeah. Uh, Go to Twitter. Twitterific is uh, is free. It's from IconFactory.com. Yes, and very awesome piece of software. But uh, we do encourage you guys to go to the forum gspn.tv/forum, and there's a help I got a Mac and general technology section there. And please go in and uh, put in your favorite software. Maybe we'll discuss it here in the show. And uh, again, we want to encourage you to please call in your questions. Uh, just like, um, who was that that called in early? Uh, that was uh, Karen from the UK. Uh, just call us at area code 859-795-4067. And uh, we're going to try again next week to have uh, Chris in the studio this time, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I'll definitely be there. As long as nothing comes up. I will have a three. Uh, I have a four-day weekend, so I'll, I'll be refreshed and ready to go. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to uh, having you back in the studio next week. Chris, and uh, we want to say thank you to everybody who has joined us live here on TalkShoe.com, and uh, we'll be back again next week at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And until next time, join the community. See ya.